Last week, we looked at, and you may not have been here last week, uh, if you weren't. If you weren't, my name is Jim Tui, or as I said, Jim Substitui. I'm in here taking over for Len. Thanks. <laughs> and um, we looked at knowing your why. And so in the bulletin, there's a handout, because at the very end of the slideshow, or not the bulletin, but the handout, I should say, we, we gave out that survey of knowing your why. Now, you may say, well, I wasn't here last Sunday, and I'm going to say that's all right. But what I would like to do before we jump into growing your why, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning, is I'd like you to take that sheet and go through these questions. We're going to give you two minutes. And after each question, answer honestly, yes or no. And if you don't have a pencil or a pen, you can, you can do it again when you're at home. And I'm going to borrow someone. So whoever was sitting here, I apologize. I'm taking your sheet right now. So quick questions, just like I know my why, or the one clear, I know I have one. Yes or no? And when we say why, we're talking about your mission, your, your vision, why you're here, why you get up in the morning, what your life's all about, where everything is going. The outlook is positive. I'm walking in faith as opposed to negative. Fear or deficit. And struggling is okay. It's okay if you're struggling, but the outlook's positive. Yes or no? The fuel source is internal, a.k.a. I do this for the intrinsic value, not because I'm lacking something, money or approval or good standing. Yes or no? The focus is beyond self. Struggling is okay because when you move your focus from self to beyond self, it's normal to struggle. It can trip fears. And we're going to get into that this morning. But your focus is beyond self, yes or no? I have people who call me out when I drift. In other words, I, and I remember this, my life had gotten into a situation early on as I started walking with the Lord and had a good friend, Marina Gerardetti. <laughs> and this was that moment where she just went... Jim, 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 and I'm like, what? And I actually kind of knew. And she says, is this? And I went, oh, yeah. She called me out. But you know what? I had someone in my life that could do that. Because we all drift. And I needed that. Yes or no? I know my community's why. So when I come to church here and other things that I'm involved in, I know what they're about. I know where it's all going. It just rolls off my tongue. But I want you to think about this place. Yes or no? I know my why, or I know how my why fits with my church community. I know how, why I'm here fits with why this church is here. Or, I, I would really like to know how 
my gifting and my wiring could fit into this church? Yes or no? I regularly engage my personal and community why. I know why this is here. I know why I'm here. And I regularly engage in both. If you come here every Sunday, that would count. You may say, is that enough, though? If you're asking that question, my, my guess is God's probably taking you on to another step. <laughs> it could be more. But good for you, you made it. I know it threatens my why. And what to do when that happens. You know, the whole idea of oppression is to hold it, hold like a weight over someone to inhibit them from becoming who they're meant to be. That's why it's so cruel, and that's why God hates it so much. And things can happen in relationships, in betrayals, in wounding, at work that can hold it over us like a weight, and we feel like everything we've tried to become is being diminished. That's a threat. Do you know what to do when that happens? Yes or no? It could be peers. It could be friends. If you go to high school or junior high, that bastion of love and acceptance. There's lots of oppression. I think the comparison was a youth will hear somewhere between 450 and 500 negative statements a day, not necessarily directed towards them, but said and stated overtly and covertly. And only hear something like 30 positive. Just that weight. And finally, I believe the best is yet to come. Personally, in here. Thank you. Now, we scored it. If you've got an 8 to 10, you're doing really good. And we're going to be in seasons in our life when we're doing really well. We're just, we're on our game. There's other ones where it's like, you know, maybe we're growing. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good, but I, I never actually even thought about it. I've never even heard about some of these. That's okay. Um, a little bit of work and focus on a couple of those things will really make a difference. And the thing is, the more we engage our why, the more we're becoming who we're meant to be, the more energy and meaning and value and rich our life becomes. It's an amazing thing that the kingdom offers us. And it's an amazing thing that being members of the kingdom, we get to participate in offering to other people. Being involved in ministry, being involved in lives, that ministry brings you in contact with just saying, if I didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't be here. No way. I wouldn't, I'd never be here. I've met some of you peeps, and I want to go out for coffee with some of you. I'm just really liking meeting you and getting to know you. Um, and because of that, um, it's forcing me to grow in, a, in ways I never would have grown on my own and become far more than I ever would have been on my own. And communities like this are rare. I walk around, we live in a townhouse complex, and I walk around there, and there's just so many people who don't have that kind of community. 
And you can tell in their conversations and what they focus on and what it's all about. And when you come to a place like this and you just hear, you guys are going on a mission trip, right? Well, I t- tell you what, I were to bring them over here on mission trip report day and they saw, like, and, and lots of youth oftentimes go. And I, and, but I like it when people of all ages go and they see this whole plethora of people with nothing in common taking big risks for Jesus. And it's like they've never seen anything like that in their life. And I love that feeling. So we're going to take, so what I want you to do is, and so that's one or two things to work on. Boy, rabbit trails, right? And the last one was in the four to ten zone. And that means that, you know, um, your why is needing some encouragement and support. And if that's where you are, I just want you to know something, that I'm glad I'm in good company. Because I need encouragement and support. It takes me less than a week to drift away from my why. You know, even last Sunday, was, it was a high for me. And uh, then Monday kind of rolled by and it was still good and thinking about it on Tuesday, praying about it, started working on this next message. And then by Wednesday, it just started drifting and all of a sudden, you know, Friday comes and you start gearing up again. But it forces me to engage my why. So get that support and encouragement. And I want to tell you what I've learned from my own life and others. Oftentimes, it just takes a little this, a little bit of that, and a and you're good. It's amazing. Our fears and our emotions are far bigger oftentimes than what God is actually needing to do. Okay. So we're going to talk about growing our why this morning. And I put a verse up there that I thought, you know, when we think about this, what, what do we need to think about? And God just sort of brought us back, brought me back to the Great Commission. Because no matter how you spell it or how you spin it personally and as a community, this is our why. It's to go in his authority and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you. And never forget that I'm with you. That is a powerful why. What's it all about? What's my life all about? Where is it all going? Why should I be doing this? Why get up in the morning? Why, why am I putting myself through this? Why am, why am I part of these groups? Why am I going to this place? This is why. And we're going to spend some time unpacking that. And what I love about Jesus is his why is so huge and universal. I've never met a language group in the world that could not connect into it and thrive and flourish and come out from under oppression and grow into who they really are. A little bit about my background, I was a global production manager for the Jesus Film Project. We worked with other partners around the world, and our role was to work with Bible translators. And when they got the Gospel of Luke done, uh, we would send them a script for the film, and we would fly in when that script was ready we would get about 20 voice actors from that tribe or that language group, and we'd record the film in that language. And I have been there when people groups have heard the gospel in their own language for the first time. See, the thing is, when they hear it in their own language, they understand God's not a foreign God. He's their God. And I always wondered, what happens to those people who don't hear? What I can tell you is what happens when they do. 
It's amazing. It's a big why. So let's look at our outline. Know whose you are. Know who you are. Seek generative love. Overcome your fear of man. Travel light. Sabbath rest. Rally point. And abide in Jesus. That's a lot to cover. That's a year, maybe two years worth of sermons. So why are we blowing through this so fast this morning? Why are we going a mile wide this morning? And the reason is, is because we're going to be in a, through this time of looking at our vision as a church and individually, is we want to stir things up inside of you. We want to awaken those things because we're going to set a time when we're going to listen to you very closely because we want to hear what you're saying. And when you're speaking to us, we want these things fresh in your mind. And we're not necessarily looking for answers. We're actually happy to discover what it is we don't know. But listen first. Uh, there's a review, and we've already done that. Last week was about clarity, getting clarity. This week is about getting direction, growing your why. And I want to begin with this. Know whose you are. And because your why, your purpose, your vision, your mission is symbiotic, I'm going to answer every one of these questions. We're going to look at it very briefly from a personal point of view and from a community point of view because both play a role. Everyone here, you have to know whose you are and you have to know that in your heart of hearts. You have to know that you belong to Jesus. There's a great quote here from Gail Irwin. My wife and I were in YWAM, which stands for Youth Without Any Money. (laughs) And Gail Irwin was, that's my wife Wendy there, by the way. Just wave your hands. She's shaking her head. Okay. (laughs) I'm not ashamed. Uh, Anyways, it was was a wonderful thing he said. He said, it's amazing who we can become and what we can do when we know that God loves us. Isn't that true? When I look back at my life, there's... Crazy stuff. I never would have done. I never would have done that. And uh, when you know that God loves you, even if it's just walking across a room and talking to someone that you're just really scared to talk to, but you'll do things and you'll become things you never thought you would. I got a saying that if you follow Jesus, you'll be doing things you never thought you could do in places you never dreamed you'd be, just because you know Jesus. Jesus said, you must be born again. And so if we're going to grow our why, our first stop is right here. And I'm going to give, after every slide, a moment for you to think. Do you know that you're born again? I want you to know this. Speaking at camps over the summers, I've been there at stay back night. That's when we stay back to pray with the kids while staff got saved. And they're not doing anything wrong. They're not, they just, they knew all about them. They were raised up in the culture. They, they understood the culture and they were doing everything right. We just forgot to tell them, oh, by the way, there's this thing about asking, you know, Jesus living in your heart and you'll know it. Like, did we do that? We forgot. Oh, sorry. Sorry, we can forget. We can take it for granted. Or sometimes, you know, if we say the prayer, forgetting that there's a process that God will engage 
with us when we say the prayer. And for me, it started at 14 and it ended when I was 19 years old. For some people, it's lucky bums. That's our first stop. Do you know whose you are? Number two, know who you are. And just to tidy up that last slide, if we can go back to that last slide really quick. Crossroads Church, do you know whose you are? As a community, do you know whose you are? And don't compare yourself to other churches. Compare yourself to yourself. I worked as a chaplain for young offenders. I pioneered a ministry in four different uh, young offender facilities back in Thunder Bay. And, you know, I thought, you know, there's this church that was pretty hip and cool. Nothing wrong with being hip and cool. Um, I am. (laughs) But I remember we went to this one church, and for some reason they just... You know, they weren't engaged and they didn't like it. And with these guys, one thing you learn, there's no baloney with them. They shoot straight. Um, and um, we went there and they just didn't like it. I said, why? I don't know. I just I don't like it. I don't want to go there anymore. So I remember we were last decision. I, I called ahead and, and there was this like old Baptist church out in the country and this crusty old British pastor, you know, up at the pulpit and, you know, singing the lovely hymns. Now, that's led the whole thing. And, and he goes, any requests? And, of course, one of my guys, her hands go up and, yeah, can we do hymn 666? <laughs> right? And they're all laughing away. And the pastor just said, well, it's not a hymn, but it's a lovely reading. Why don't we just turn there right now and guess where they want it to go every Sunday? Who'd have thought it was that place that had the acceptance that these people needed. So know who you are. There's true versus toxic, toxic identity messages. And working on a personal level, I'm going to begin with me. My, my hidden identity message that I received overtly and covertly through my life is you are worthless. Now, when you go on a dating site... Tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a worthless individual of low self-esteem, and I, you know, I hate everyone, and everyone hates me, and, and I like romantic walks along the beach. <clears throat> but it was controlling me. At first, it controlled me about how I felt about myself, and then it had a very interesting way of controlling me. I lived to it by proving that's who I wasn't. And everything I did became proving that lie was wrong, but I'm still living to that lie. Do you see that? So every time I proved that lie was wrong, it was this huge relief. But when it came to prove it again, my anxiety level kept going up higher and higher and higher until it just about broke me in half. And when I became a believer, I had a honeymoon with Jesus. I really did. I was one of those lucky bums. I really had a honeymoon. And I remember what someone said to me. They didn't know I got born again. But they said to me, right near the end, I was in Bible school. And they said to me, you're such a... Like... And what happened inside of me is, I know, right? 
Because when God's love is poured in you, those things don't define you anymore. And the fact that he was saying I was such a beep just reinforced the fact that I know, and he still loves me. It's true. It just, that's where I was. I was on a honeymoon. I didn't ask for it, but I'm really glad I got it. I pray you get a honeymoon with Jesus. Amen. That can happen to a church. You can get a toxic identity message. Oh, we're just never going to be a... God will never use us. Ah, nothing ever. These are just lying identity messages that embed in you. And whether good, bad, or ugly, if you have an identity message here at Crossroad, my only thing I would say is, did Jesus tell us that? Or we just, or did we, did we hear that from him? Or who, who, where did that start? Challenge where that started. And you know, after I became a believer and after that honeymoon period, the enemy is very insidious. He couldn't convince me I was a worthless person anymore. But he could sure convince me I was a worthless believer. Guy never stops. You know, the great thing about Jesus is in the kingdom, it all works for you. And he'll take those lies and, and, and draw you right to his feet. <laughs> those worship songs that we sung about this morning, that's all people being cracked free from lying identity messages. And if you've been set free, you're the perfect kind of person to set someone else free. Church, if you're involved in setting people free, and church, if you have been set free, I just say prayerfully challenge, whether it's good, whether it's bad, or especially if it's ugly, any identity messages that have been spoken over you, and make sure who it came from. There's useful tools, I'll just say that. Um, Strength Finder is the best 19 bucks U.S. you'll ever spend, but there's lots of tools out there because God's gifted people to help us understand who we are. And having God's um, all the, and, and even all the experience you have, I would still say get that insight because a doctor is someone who has a lot of experience and expertise. But I still like it when they use an MRI or an X-ray because <laughs> they can combine that expertise and experience with great clarity. So use that. There's stuff for churches, or, and all they are, they're just processes to bring the best out of you. And finally, know and address your shadow side. And what I mean by that, it's not the dark side. It's not like, it's not that. It's just that in our strengths, in our abilities, in our values, in our personalities, we sometimes have unintended negative effects on others, and we have no idea we're doing that. And just becoming aware that we do that. Church, become aware that you may have shadow sides, even really good things about you, you may have shadow sides to them. And like, yeah, it's a really good thing, but you're right. Yeah, sometimes it kind of has an unintended side effect. Become aware of that. I love this one. Generative love. Seek generative love. Anyone heard of Dr. Carolyn Leaf? Hey, we got one winner. Okay, okay. See Doug for your prize. <laughs> Amazing. She's on YouTube. She's a Christian, a believer. See, there was a day, it wasn't too long ago, when they said, like, you know, a, a kid when they grow up, basically their personality is set by five, and everything you're going to be is set by 12, and there's all this hard set stuff. A couple of thousand years ago, Jesus said, you can be, through Paul, Jesus said, you can be renewed by the, by the transformation of your mind. 
And then, uh, so psychology and science threw that out the window, and then suddenly with more research, they realized this thing called neuroplasticity. <laughs> Turns out billions of dollars of research and thousands of hours of research proved that God was right. And this is something that Dr. Carolyn Leaf showed, and this, I want to share this. Those black masses there, those are clusters, and they, they had a way of just sort of lighting it up when they did tests on people, but they would say certain things or talk about certain areas, and it's like these toxic thoughts and emotions would take over someone's mind. And that's what it looked like. That freaked you out? That freaked me out. That totally freaked me out. That's in here? Yeah. You know what research found? That when we began to confront those hurt and painful areas with scientific community here, a change of thinking, repentance, and forgiveness, they found that not only did new uh, branches begin to form in our mind, new connections, but those toxic ones began to melt away. Imagine that happening with the power of the Holy Spirit working in your mind. And why do I say that? Because, you know, it says God poured His Holy Spirit into our hearts. We do this. It's okay. It's not bad doctrine. You're not going to lose your anointing. (laughs) But your heart's actually in the mind. That's why we have meditations of the heart and the thoughts of the heart and the hidden hopes of the heart and the hidden motives of the heart. And guess where God pours His Holy Spirit? into our heart. When you ever hear a testimony, you'll hear people say, you know, I used to think this about myself. I came from this kind of a background, and I thought I was. And then I met Jesus, and I began to learn that I am. Because that oppression is being lifted off by the power and the authority of Jesus' name. And that person is beginning to flourish. And from that point of transformation, that's when we become to empower to discern God's will for you and for y'all. The world needs this. And there's a special way that only you can deliver it. Seek generative love part two. An environment where personally what we need is we need acceptance. And I want to really refine some words here. Because sometimes when we use these words, they get stretched out of, almost out of shape. We don't really know where the boundaries lie. So I'd like to give you two words to think about in terms of generative love. And I want you to, because we need to be seeking this and granting this to people. First of all, it accepts where you're at and, and, and where you're at and what you're going through. Why? Because when people come up and just say, you know, I'm sorry, but right now this is, and, I, and when I, I, I have desires like, and I'm just feeling like, and what I'm, right now what I'm really wanting is, you know what, they're not lying to us. <laughs> they're telling you the truth. In fact, they're being very, very humble sometimes and telling us, listen, this is just where I'm at right now. 
And we have to be very, very careful. Well, number one, we have to make sure that we, they know we accept them. You know what? So what you're telling me is that you're struggling with this, and this is what you're feeling. This is how you view yourself. This is how you view sometimes other people. And, and they go, yeah. And I just say, you know what? We just, we get you. We just want you to know we, we accept this is where you're at. But while you're here with us, we want to affirm who you are in Jesus. Because those things don't define you. In fact, some of those things may be oppressing you. Jesus defines who you are. And that can pinch a little. And it's spacious. It's understanding. It's forward-moving. And it's judgment-free. See, what palliative love would do would be accept someone for who they are and just leave them that way. I'm just a broken-down person. I just have, I'm worthless. I just feel totally worthless. Well, Jim, poor Jim. And you're right, you had a really tough thing, and this happened to you. And so we just want you to know it's okay to feel that way and just be that way. No, it's not. Because that's a lie. You're not worthless, Jim. It may take a while to get you to figure that out, but you're not worthless. I'm going to call you out. We accept this is where you're at, Jim. This is how you're feeling, but we want to affirm, Jim, you're going to find some things out about yourself you probably didn't know. You are not worthless. And we have to be people, uh, people that can grant that. There was this conference I went to, and this uh, staff person, well, not staff, sorry, no, a volunteer at this church, she was a greeter at the door. And this church was talking about how they were, they were, they were at, this, at another conference, they were reciting a time they were at another conference, and this, this woman, who was a greeter at this church, was re- recanting a time of how um, they were talking about how accepting their culture was at church. And this unbeliever in the audience said, I'll put that to the test. <laughs> so after the thing, she walked right up with a circle around this person and says, you know what? I think you're a beep in this and a beep in that. And what if I show up at your beep in church and just told you to beep right, you know? She looked at her and she goes, well, I like to think I'd say good morning. <laughs> and it stunned this person. So the next Sunday, she went to church. Met the person who obviously said, good morning, like this. And the neat thing is when she sat down in the church, the whole church backed up what that woman represented. That church was spacious, understanding, forward-moving, judgment-free, advice-free, and safe. And they accepted where she was, this person was at, but didn't affirm that's who she was. You know, when you get loved a certain way, what, what do you want to do? You want to give it back. Guess who's a greeter at that church now? Oh, yeah. And you better accept that greeting or else. <laughs> Overcome your fear of man. If you're going to grow your why, guess what? Jesus is going to take you to some places that are going to really pinch a little. Following Jesus has scared the daylights out of me. I'm going to be honest with you. Not... not freaky boo scared, but more like, uh, you know, I'm I'm aware that everyone else is looking at me. And what I've learned in my journey is just how easy it is to be so overcome by what I think other people are thinking and how, what a difference is when I just think about one. You know, because you're going to meet people who are going to beep and tell you that, what if they came to your beep in church and told you to beep 
And Jesus is going to want to use you in that situation. Or he's going to say, go over and, you know, I think, or you're going to feel something in your heart and feel like, I, I need to go make things right. I, I blew it. I got to go make things right. I got to confess to some people. They want me to be a camp counselor. <laughs> Again, you'll be doing things you never thought you could do. Our calling is bold. You're going to go out there, and sometimes you're going to hear, yeah, I just think, you know, religious people are stupid, a bunch of hypocrites, blah, 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 blah. And you're, you're there to go, and you know what? Jesus loves you too. <laughs> it's bold. Not rude, not belligerent, not, not necessarily in your face, but it's bold. It's requiring. It'll take everything you got. It's more than worth it. You'll get more than you give. But it'll cost everything. It is inclusive because you'll never meet a person Jesus didn't love, starting with yourself. You may not know how to love that person, but guess who does? And we're going to touch on that. You may not know how to love them. He'll show you. Little moves. And finally, your call is Heroic. I don't know if you've ever been there in the birthing room when someone passes from their old life and that new life is poured into them. Sometimes it's just, okay, great, thanks. Other times it's pretty dramatic. And I, I shared a text I got, but I never forget that text where Jim just thank you for being a part of God and rescuing me from death. It's a heroic journey that God's going to call you on. When I look back at my life and the things that really matter, Jesus is standing right in the middle of the intersection. Crossroads. The fear of man leaves a snare, but whoever trusts in God is safe. Church, God's call for you is bold, requiring, inclusive, and heroic. And you'd be amazed in, the ways that that can, in some of the subtle ways that that can show up. Travel light. Um, you're, you're not going to get through the Christian life perfectly and without wounding. Paul talked about taking up our share in the suffering. And there's some collisions. There's times where you're doing everything right and you're saying everything right and, you're, and then life still happens anyways. And it can hit so hard and so unexpectedly. People that we were counting on can betray us. And inadvertently, without us knowing, we can end up betraying others. Leadership can let us down. Leadership may have actually covertly or overtly spoke oppression over our lives. We need to learn how to travel light. To remember who defines us. And that means confessing our sins to one another. granting and seeking forgiveness regularly. Keep short accounts. Keep a clear heart. And bear one another's burdens. That forgiveness, unforgiveness, boy, I'll tell you, as someone who's, it was such a stronghold in my life. And uh, you think about the gospel is actually, the gospel grows one exchange of forgiveness at a time. 
That's what's happening. We're bringing people to a place where they can receive forgiveness from Jesus. So if I'm trying to promote a kingdom that expands through forgiveness while harboring unforgiveness, can you see the disconnect? How that might hinder me, how that might entangle me and really mess me up. Does that mean God still can't use me? Of course He can still use me. He's done that. Sometimes in the midst of my unforgiveness, God has used me to help people experience His forgiveness, and God goes, hmm, that reminds me of something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel light. If you're struggling with any of these things, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because you're normal. But just don't let them become that weight, right, that stops you from becoming who you're meant to be. Satan will convince you that your unforgiveness is going to bring about justice and things that are, make right the things that are wrong, and it won't. It won't bring it, bring it about. The one place where we really see just, justice fully meted out in our lifetime is at the cross. Because when Jesus forgives you, his, or anyone else, that forgiveness is clean. It's bought and paid for. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Sabbath rest. I love this uh, quote. Life is not a marathon. It's a series of sprints with necessary recovery in between. Anyone ever heard life's a marathon? Well, it makes sense because life is long. At least we want it to be long. And so we get this picture of a marathon runner who's just going and going and going and going and never taking breaks, and suddenly he just slowly wears out. And, That's nothing wrong if you run marathons. But you look at a sprinter, it's power, and for that 10, 20 seconds, they're all flat out, and it's just explosive. It can take a marathon runner six months to recover. Six months to a year to recover. It takes a sprinter about half an hour. Being up here right now, I'm doing something that I love. I I just trust that God's touching your hearts, and I'm going to be on a high. When we're involved with our calling and doing things that we're meant to do, we are expending huge amounts of energy. But when when we're doing this, our why, it renews itself while we're doing it. You can understand that maybe as spiritual energy. Then why do I burn out? (laughs) Because while you're expending all this spiritual energy, you're expending also huge amounts of emotional and physical energy. You ever come back from a missions trip or a week at camp or whatever, or even after worship, and you get home, it's just like, you know, I was up there now, I just feel flat. I feel like if someone saw me right now, they'd think I was a different person or something. And the main reason being is because you are tired. Even though you may be on a spiritual high, you're tired. Tomorrow, I am going to be exhausted. And I didn't know that. And I kept pressing and pressing and pressing and burning myself out. Church, you can do that to yourself and your people where you don't take rest, you don't take breaks, you don't stop to celebrate. We just say, you know, for a couple weeks, we're going to give the children's staff a couple weeks off. We're going to change up our services to make it kid-friendly or whatever, but just giving people breaks. And after big initiatives, just stop and celebrate and just assess, take breaks. 
after one and a half to two hours of doing anything throughout the day, you're going to start moving into negativity. That's science. You need Sabbath rest. Being a believer, the biggest misquoted verse in ministry is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'll be in the hospital for the next month recovering from burnout. The reason is, believer or not, gravity still applies. Those rules affecting your emotions and your physical well-being and all that were made by God who made you. (laughs) And the biggest, longest commandment right in the middle of of the top ten says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and take your rests. Stop. Rest. It needs to be built into your day. This whole message this morning, I'm saying to you this morning, I, was, I had the notes, had the PowerPoints, and I just sat there before God this morning for about two hours. I'm not going to go that long. And me and God were just being together and just going through it and, and talking about this, and God just sort of began to shape everything in, in my heart for this morning, for you people. So I'm doing things in people's lives this morning. And so I entered into the rest of God because the work of God is strangely done in the rest of God. And as God was just sort of talking to me about this morning, it shaped my whole message, my whole heart. It's just like, I'm good. I'm good to go. What a great way to prepare a message, right? Spending time with God. And I knew I was, I, I definitely was in a place where before, where it'd be like, God, I'd like to talk, but right now I'm working on this important message. Two more points. First of all, a rally point. You have a clear, concise mission statement to rally to. Because when you do, and it doesn't matter what it is, Paul's was run the race. But every day, or even throughout the day, you can stop and say, Am I running the race today? Am I, am, am I running my race? My tagline, I found out, my, if I was going to sum up my mission statement, and it can change, it's helping you flourish. I just love coming behind, beside people or groups or teams or ministries or churches and help them flourish. I just love to do that. I don't have the power to do that, but that's what I'm meant to do. And I love doing that. Because I have this, I can ask, am I, am I helping them flourish? Am I helping people flourish? Am I helping them flourish? I know how to celebrate my wins and, just, and know my bright spots because, I, because I'm, I'm defining what it is I want to do. So therefore, I know I can begin to celebrate my wins. And take, in church, if you know your why, as a people, we can connect to it and we know what we need to celebrate. Hey, that was, that's what we're all about, and it just happened. We need to celebrate that. And making sure that it accurately reflects you. We all know on Facebook we can have a profile that does not accurately reflect you. And what I love is when I, I've been, you know, I don't post a lot. I, I post maybe twice a year on Facebook. Um, I know people who post a lot more. And I've been on outings with them. 
And maybe we walked along the beach. You know, it was okay. We had a good time. It was a nice day. It was a beach. Yet there's this picture that's larger than life with them on it. A great, awesome day at the beach. And I went, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we had, it was nice, but it wasn't that great, right? And, um, you know, we don't want to give people sticker shock or profile confusion. Whether it's us personally or as a church, we want to have a mission statement that, you know what? If someone read it and they looked at it and they went, man, that is, that is totally you. That's totally you. And that means taking some time to listen to each other, and we're going to do that. And last, and I want to close with this one, spend a bit of time. How are we doing for time? What time is it? I get a thumbs up. Okay. I still got an hour. I'll just take the thumbs up. That's accurate. It's, it's just, yeah. So abiding in Jesus. Real service, real serving, real mission grows out of relationship. And as I'm participating in my own discipleship and my own growth, I need to really pay attention to things that are going to make me abide, trust, and draw from Jesus. I have been the victim of discipleship that will teach me how to do things for God. And when we look at Jesus' discipleship, he never taught them how to do things. He taught them how to trust him. The feeding of the 5,000. Right? Now, is that to teach them how to do that? Or to teach them to trust in him? Because if you ever get in a mission or any kind of situation, even in Chilliwack, show up with a couple loaves of bread and maybe going to Ruth and Naomi's and there's a big lineup and someone goes, how are we going to feed all these people? I go, huh, I know how to do that. You don't know, you can't do that. You don't know how to do that. Hey, there's this big river. We need to get to the other side. Got it. <laughs> you know how to do that. Jesus wasn't teaching them how to turn loaves and fish to feed 5,000 people. He was teaching them to trust him because what he's calling you to do is impossible for you. You can't fix people. You can't even fix yourself. And I know that. Wendy told me. I can't even fix myself. I, when I was communing with God this morning, I'm going to share some fresh bread I got in my time with God talking about this. God brought back to remembrance several times where the occasions and circumstances of my life were so big and so overwhelming, I became very embittered against God, wondering how could he do this and how could he allow this is way too big for me and knock it off. And I've been serving you and do like, when are you gonna get when are you gonna relent? He brought that back to my mind. If I can translate what transpired in my heart into a conversation, it would sound like a bit like this. You're right, Jim, that was too big for you. Because, Jim, 
you always want to be competent. You always want to be able to go in not having to rely on me. You love it when I show up, but you want to make sure you can handle it with or without me. And so I keep making you aware of things that are so big that you, that you know you can't rely on yourself anymore. And if you don't like feeling that way, just would you start each day just trusting me with the little things? That was this morning. Busted. Because, Jim, when you trust me with the little things, you're not going to be worried about the big things. And when big things happen, you're already in a place of trusting me. And we'll handle it together. Does that make sense? Growing your why, it's discipleship that is helping you trust in Jesus in your circumstances. And if you find your mind flooded with things that are just so big, trust me, God is saying, good, you going to surrender? Give up? Okay, good, I want you to focus on this one small little thing here and just trust me with that because I just want you to trust in the Lord with all your, your heart and lean not in your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your pastor. You won't get through this. Wow. And church, if God's allowing things to press you and it's too big and you can't, this is too big, maybe he, God just wants you to come back to him and trust. And start trusting with the little things. Most amazing ministries and stuff that's happening ministry, when you boil down to the big things that God's doing, to what we're doing, we're just doing small little things. <laughs> really, you think about often just, that was it? That's, that's all you did? Anyway, do that. Doing something is one thing. Trusting God is another. Competency became an idol to me. And, you know, I'm starting to realize when I'm facing things, my question is for me and for us, do I want to go it alone? Or would I rather go in trusting him? Either way, he's gonna, you'll end up trusting him. You'll see to that. There's a book called With. If you have not read this book, I highly recommend it. And if you're like me, you can read it on YouTube. <laughs> guy's name is Sky Jathani, but he begins to confront and unpack discipleship that we have wrongly gone after people with. And as I read every one, I realized I've participated in all of them, and I've also put that on people. This is a great book. It really talks about the most important thing is to know who you are in Christ. That it all comes just living life with Jesus. And in that, I'm going to close. I'm going to call the worship team up. And I'm just going to close in prayer.